0: And you know what? This is exactly a good example of how our show runs. (laughs) We we go from models to Tom Zellig.
1: What's happening? Totally fine. Squirrel!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the RC Roundtable podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hey everybody, welcome to the RC Roundtable, another fun-filled show filled with airplanes and even more airplanes. And uh, I'm Fitz Walker. joining me is Lee Ray. Hello. And uh, Terry Dunn. Good morning. And we have a very special guest from Balsa USA, uh, Mr. Mean Joe Vermillion. Hi, thanks for the invite, guys. Oh, thanks for joining us, really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you'll survive uh, the encounter and live to tell about it. I'm sure we'll be just fine. <laughs> all right. All all right. right, uh, first up, we have a new product that just dropped, I think, just a date yesterday before we uh, started recording today. And that is a Night Radiant from eFlight slash Horizon. Slash Flight Test. Slash Flight Test. Yes, apparently Flight Test has collaborated with Horizon Hobbies to come up with a Night Flyer Radiant. So they, it looks like they took their popular Radian design and ate the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's live, folks. <laughs> and not only that, they added lights to their Radian. So they took their popular Radian design and added lights to it. And not only did they add lights, it looks like it's a light sequencer. So they're they claiming over 100 different uh, color sequences and timing combinations, which is pretty snazzy. And uh, they've uh, tweaked the design a little bit. I think they beefed up the tail. It has a transparent canopy. Uh, now, this is their big rating, a 2-meter or, for us, uh, American 78-inch wingspan. Uh, so it's, uh, I don't think it's Alron. I think it's only a three-channel.
3: Right, it's three-channel. Uh,
2: so it's pretty nice. Uh, what really caught my attention was a light sequencer because I've had an aftermarket sequencer in one of my Nightflyer planes. And uh, it's a really neat uh, gadget. Uh, to, to fly around and have your colors, have your model change colors as you're flying and sequence through some sort of rainbows. And Lee's got some really good photography of that too, from uh, some of our several best fly-ins from years past.
0: Yeah, that's nice.
3: So what I'm trying to figure out is, can you change the sequences from your transmitter? It looks like you you can turn the lights on and off, but I don't know if you can toggle through different setups.
2: It says they're programmable, but it doesn't go any more detail than
3: that. Yeah, interesting. You know, I'm going to Flight Fest tomorrow, and they've got uh, one or more of these out there. So hopefully I'll be able to get hands-on and, and see what it's all about.
2: So you can report back to us? Yeah. Ah, that's great. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. Um, I don't know about the utility of a, a glider at night. You're not going to really catch any thermals, but it could be fun for slope-soaring or just general putting around at night.
3: Yeah, but most of the time I fly gliders. I'm not looking for thermals anyway. 'Cause how often are we doing arrow toes? And who cares about thermals then? You want to get back on the ground and do another toe.
2: <laughs> Good point. Yeah,
3: so
0: now well, if it was if it was a traditional glider you you're going to. Like, you know, if you're doing DLG or if you're doing tow. <clears throat> toe line, you know, bungee, bungee launch. But yeah, with this, with powered, yeah, you're going to goof off. And with a radian, you know, there's a lot of cool performance with that. Now, yeah, this is just uh, elevator rudder, but I, I'm just going to point out, we have had people deck out radians at best for night flying a lot. And it, and I know there's a guy at my club that's got a radian with, I think he just bought like 20 spools of, you know, tape on LEDs and just, <clears throat> put every bit of led on the surface of his radian so it's just a glowing sun
2: just, uh, <laughs> sunglasses. and, and, and yeah.
0: but not that i disapprove it's it's you know you, you can do it it's fun he's flying at night and he's having a good time more power to you uh, so i i think this is something that's been done i think it's a convenience of okay you can already get it pre-made and i will say i like that they uh, beefed up the rudder because you know, on my um, Easy Stars, that's the first thing I recommend people do is to beef that up because you really don't need ailerons once you get that rudder nice and big. You, I can I can roll my Easy Star with ease, so I bet this thing flies really well.
1: Yeah, actually, the the Radians and you'll find from going I go to a lot of large events, so like Joe Nall, you know, uh, several other large events, and the Radians are very popular for the night flying. You see a lot of uh, glider type wings. Or I'm sorry, you see a lot of gliders, and then you see also a lot of type of wings with the with the night flying. So, the uh, the platform is very very popular, and the radians they have huge amounts of uh, glide time. So they'll stay up in the air a long time, even even without thermals and with no power.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. You got a lot of real estate on the wings to put lights and stuff such on. So, see how that works. <laughs> well-
0: I know we have to show a picture of this, but maybe maybe RC Roundtable can sponsor that huge uh, triangle wedge that was flying at best, you know, just made of half foam, you know, just a big, ugly, completely covered in LEDs, loud, flying piece of foam. That would be our sponsor, right? <laughs> Does anybody have pictures of that thing? It might be in the video. Did you uh, capture that in the best video last year for Fitz?
2: No, because I was always recruited to launch it.
0: <laughs> oh, man. The guy comes hilarious. up, can you
2: launch my plane? This thing is like, it's, it's an overcast of a plane. <laughs>
0: yeah. So flight test sponsors a radiant. We sponsor a sheet of foam. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Yeah. But it, it was a night flyer. Just don't put blue LEDs on it. No, mm-hmm. yeah,
3: this one has blue LEDs. I wonder if they have the same weird effect as the ones we've used.
0: Well, I don't think they're all blue LEDs. That guy just had a whole strip of blue, and it was yeah. just yeah. awkward.
2: Yeah, remember, this one you can change colors, so you can do whatever color you want.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, hey, the other blues
0: will give you seizures. <laughs> hey, Joe, do you fly? Do you night fly? Uh, yes, yeah. Oh, what do you have?
1: I've got several. I've got a couple of uh, models from Lane's planes I night fly with. I've got some uh, flight test stuff I fly with, I've got a uh, Radian that I fly with, a couple of wings, I've got several. Got a couple of helicopters I fly with. This depends really on what mood I'm in and what event
0: I'm at, actually. Oh nice. Yeah. So so just one or two, right? Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> wow.
3: Cool. So well, after it- you fly those foamies and you show up at also USA, do they can they smell it on you?
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny they, uh, And this is the thing And this is what I always tell my boss he You know, because he's always giving me a hard time About being a uh, kit builder Versus an Arf assembler And a foamy flyer And I said, you know what foam is And I'm sure you guys have heard this before But what foam is, is foam is a gateway drug So you get them in <laughs> You get the kids in that don't have a lot of money They get in there, they buy their Dollar Tree foam board planes And then they buy their foamy planes and then eventually, the idea is, is that they transition into building lots of kits.
0: Oh, and, and see to me that the the better drug, the better street drug, is the EPO from Multiplex. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Whatever that foam is. You know, See, like, so you, yeah. you got your styrofoam here with a slow stick, but hey, let's move up to the good stuff, the multiplex stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got uh,
1: several of their planes as well, and you know, it's they they fly fantastically. Like, i like the uh, the Funray is probably one of my go to gliders. It's a lot of fun.
2: Oh,
3: that's pretty new in the states, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah. I actually, uh, I used to. I was working with RC Group for. A couple years and that was one of the reviews i was fortunate enough to get and i love that thing i fly it all the time
3: oh cool hmm. so i agree that um foam is a gateway but for me it's still completely viable because i like to hack together airplanes to test crazy ideas and it's so much easier with foam and i think if i had to build a, a balsa rib and spar wing for every harebrained idea i had it most of them probably would never happen.
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. And, and foam may, just makes it easy to slap the stuff together, and then if you go out and pile it into the ground, you're out a couple of dollars in foam, you know? Most of the time, yeah. the, on those type of airplanes, the electronics uh, survive relatively viably, and there's not a lot of problems. You may have a couple of broken servo arms and that kind of thing, but for the most part, you can pile those things into the ground and go out the next day and have it repaired with
3: some foam tack and be on your way. Yeah, and it's then sometimes- of course our, our, go ahead. No, Please, Terry. Well, I was going to say, and then there's our buddy Keith, who builds masterpieces out of foam. So yeah, I think it's hard to discriminate either way. You like what you like. And if you like it all, that's okay, too. My, my
0: debate hasn't been uh, foam or balsa. My debate has been R for kit. And one thing that we keep losing sight of are kits, you know, actually starting from scratch and building something, whether you're using foam pieces to build something from scratch or you're using balsa. And or if you're like me, you use both, you know, you mix the two. But the idea is if you're kit building, if you're doing something from scratch, it's like Legos. You've got Legos or just pieces of plastic, but you build something out of them. And so I think what we're concerned with is if we're going to have the little ARF debate is, you know, getting something where you don't. You don't use your mind completely to understand the whole concept of it, versus okay, here are some pieces. Let's put it together, and that's I'm surprised we don't get more Lego builders (laughs) into the kit building. We gotta that's the that's the gateway you need to do. Make foam Lego pieces. (laughs) There you go. Well, actually, Lego
1: has that quad that they have out now that you can get. It's a Lego (laughs) like a racing quad good lord yeah (laughs) they have that um, and I'll, i'll you know be honest with you coming from probably what i would consider the most premier uh kit manufacturer in the country or in the world as far as that goes um we've seen a big uptick in the amount of uh kits that are being built so like uh we were this year in toledo and leading up to the week, you know, I'm talking to my bosses, and my bosses are saying, you know, this may not be worth the trip for much longer. And you know, we were kind of down on the whole event. And when it was all said and done, we had the biggest sales we've had in 20 years this year at Toledo. So it's obviously it's it's going back. I think we're getting, and I, and I really what we think what we're getting into is we're getting into the people that go out. And I'll use uh, a kid as or an Arfa example. They go out and they spend. You know, they they, they buy the R for five, six hundred bucks. Uh, they put all the electronics, all the motors, all that stuff in it, and by the time they're done, they're usually into it for close to two thousand dollars, depending on the RF that they get, you know, size and all that. And then they, they're all proud of it and they spend six months putting it together and they go out to the field and there's ten more just like it. So I, I think people are getting tired of showing up to the field with their masterpiece and there being so many planes exactly like it. When you get into kits, really, when you start looking at them, no two kits are the same. I mean, I mean working for Boss USA, I see it all the time. A guy will build a, a quarter-scale D7, and then you'll see another one, and it's completely different. Not just the scheme, but the way they build it. You know, everybody builds it their own way, and so each one is unique in and in, in and of its itself, and its builders. It's got its builder's signature on it automatically.
3: Yeah, it pretty much guarantees that there's going to be some variety the finished product absolutely so i think our electric hub uh, build was a good example of that we three started with the same kit and ended up with three very very different airplanes
1: exactly yeah
3: all right so we're talking about new kits here how did we how did we
0: (laughs) just blame me Darn <laughs> it Lee Lee, Lee just know. couldn't help himself <laughs> And what about the FAA <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's later That's later <laughs> Sorry Alright well I, the, the Radiant Let's go back to the Radiant Yes I think it's a good choice If you want to get into night flying You know I, That's a that's a good I, I'd like to see more of the, the light sequence Like uh, Terry had mentioned Is it something you can program Do you think you could program with a DX12 Terry, you think you get got a whole bunch of finagling the,
3: switches? Oh, the iX12? Well, no, the question is not whether you can program it. I think that's um, true. It's whether or not you can change the sequence on the fly.
0: No, so even I, better. Talk to your I'll, radio. I want red lights. Boop, red lights on.
3: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'll look into that this weekend and let you know what I find. Okay. And let's see. These are $180 for the plug-and-play. I think there's also a bind-and-fly. me. Mm. Let me do some clickety clickety. Bind and fly basic, one ninety nine for uh, so for twenty bucks more, you get a receiver. And due in late September, so yeah, don't get your hopes up just yet.
2: Hmm. All right. Well, just in time for uh, winter time to fly with the extended nights. So you'll be having.
3: Oh. Yeah, I can fly it in the dark at four o'clock around here.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, we have a couple of quick updates for uh, some other industry news. Uh, last episode, we talked about the uh, both the Tower Hobbies and the eFlight uh, Piper Cherokee models. And one thing that came up is we were wondering, since eFlight and uh, Horizon and Tower... Are now basically one in the same. Uh, are these? Com- Herizico. Herizico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so are these, are these sort of kind of competing models since they've both been in the pipeline, I imagine, for some time? Will they?
3: Yeah, I'm sure these were already on a boat when we talked about it.
2: Yeah. So indeed that they have actually started shipping the Tower Hobbies Cherokee and so and i think a few people have already gotten there so you now have a choice we were talking about foamy and wood so you now have a choice of a wood or a foam cherokee and they are shipping and uh the pretty good price on the basic cherokee from tower hobbies only 99 with free shipping they're saying so if you want uh, something that's got basically foamy prices but a wood version uh, there you there's go. there's more than one version yeah apparently yeah there's two versions now because last time i think we only saw one but now they're showing the receiver ready, and then just a basic ARF. Huh,
3: oh, I didn't notice that before. Yeah, okay.
2: just I just saw that It just popped up. It's on your website, which is very interesting. So yeah. Uh, also, if you're looking for a deal, thanks to Terry, he uh, informed us that High Tech, at their Weekender Warehouse, is having a blowout sale over a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, Terry, you want to talk about that since that was your find.
3: Well, sure. I was on Facebook, I guess two days ago, and a little message popped up from high tech. And I went to the site and they've got 69 millimeter EDF fan units with brushless motors, high max motors for $10 each. And then they had some outrunners, also high max and inrunners for, I think, 9 or $10 each. Um, several multiplex kits. I think they're box damage. Um, they look to be about half price. So pretty good deals on stuff. Keep an eye on shipping because it appears to be weight-based. And so if you add one motor to your cart, it might double your shipping price. But really some pretty good deals. I picked up a few EDFs and motors with no particular intent in mind, but it's good to have that stuff in the shop <laughs> for whenever.
2: Yeah, some really good deals. In fact, I picked up some EDFs too with a
3: very much intent in mind. <laughs> oh, you probably won't tell us. No, of course not. Now, this seems to be the fan unit and motor that came or comes with the twister that they have. Ah, okay. And interestingly, they say it's only rated for 3S, um, but I, on my twister, I upgraded it with a Great Plains motor that has the exact same specs that I can find, but it's rated for 4S. Hmm. So I wonder if they're just being conservative there, and uh, I don't know. It's not my fault if you blow it up, but I'm theorizing.
2: Yeah, well, it was worth the loan just for the, the, the motors themselves. and uh, Oh, yeah. So uh, that's pretty snazzy. So hopefully the t- sale will be still going on by the time this uh, episode goes live. They don't have an end date that I can find. So
3: Yeah, I guess when they run out of stuff, they're calling it a blowout sale. So maybe you
2: know, yeah. yeah, it's like a
3: mattress sale. When it's gone, it's gone.
2: Yeah, there's a, a good
3: chance to pick up one of the Twin Stars. Oh, no, it's out of stock. Ooh. Oh, the Twin Star is already out of stock? It's already out of stock. Uh. Oh, the Twin Star 2 for 50 bucks, Man, you can't. Beat that.
2: Yeah, oh uh, well Well they still have some uh, Playsporters that? uh,
3: That's in
0: my checkout cart
2: Oh is it?
3: You better yeah. hurry yeah. I've never seen one of those But you know, being multiplex, how bad can it be?
0: I saw one at small Tom Blake oh, yeah. had one
3: yeah. okay. Do they come with his... motors? Yeah, it's receiver ready No kidding, for how much? 90 bucks So all servos, ESC, brushless motor? Yep Okay, that's pretty good
0: I think it's cool looking, and I he I think he got some incredible deal. He and a couple of guys got him for like fifty or sixty bucks. I don't I don't know what, how he did it. Fell but, off a truck. Yeah, <laughs> Just truck. right behind it. He kind of bumped the 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 high tech truck. <laughs> they fell off. Um, but yeah, I saw it. He didn't he didn't fly it that day. But I was like, wow, I really like that. So when I was struggling with my Pilatus Porter, <laughs> you know, and the and the struts falling off in midair. The wing struts. So I figured that maybe I'll go with that one. <laughs> so,
3: I don't know. It sounds like poor maintenance to me.
0: Oh, dang.
3: Oh, ouch. <laughs> I, I have
0: video of it flying, so I, I did pass that test. Mm. So, yeah, that's, it seems like a cool deal. All
3: right. So, uh, go check it out. We don't get any kickbacks on that, unfortunately. Mm.
2: Okay. Uh, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll, we'll be right back. All right. all right we're back and uh as uh, i mentioned before we are have a special guest we are with joe vermilion from balsa usa and if you're not familiar with balsa usa uh, they've been in business for a long time they're kind of one of the staples of the model kit industry uh they're really known for their world war one kits but they also have a whole slew of other kits including some laddie M- mucolasco if say his name right uh designs uh I- i've even built a uh, balsa usa kit some years ago so they're very well known in the, in the scale end of the spectrum although they do have some uh, semi-scale and sport planes as well so uh, they're uh, exclusively kits wood kits uh, of a large size up to i think third scale is that right joe i think yes uh so thanks joe for joining us absolutely thanks for having me so uh tell us a little bit about yourself uh how long have you been in the hobby
1: well, that's an interesting story. I've actually only been a full-fledged hobbyist since about 2011. Um, a friend of mine at work came up to me one day and said, uh, hey, you should come out to the field. We fly RC planes. And I was always been interested in aviation. And I had some experiences as a child seeing this stuff. So I, of course, went out there. And about three weeks later, I had uh, three or four airplanes. So, <laughs> Man, was quick. Uh, you know, I, fe- yeah, I fell into it rather quickly. Um Uh, Shortly after I got going, I had a a major ankle injury and literally spent uh, eight months on the couch uh, with a flight simulator. So uh, when I injured my ankle, I wasn't flying on my own yet. And when I came back the next spring, I was totally on my own. And actually, my mentor and friend, Daryl Peck, that had got me into the uh, club was my instructor. And I played it up um, as far as acted like I still didn't know what I was doing. And we took off the plane. And at this point, I'm still on my little cart, you know, so I can get around with my leg. And uh, took off and tried to act like I didn't know what I was doing. And he's like, You ready to take it? And as soon as I took it, I flipped it inverted it, and did a big Cuban aid. And he the threw old his flying control farmer on the ground. routine. Yeah. And uh, I've been going like a house of fire since then. Um, I've worked for Precision Aerobatics, I've worked for SIG, uh, Bals USA, RC Groups. Uh, team pilot for Castle and High Tech. Um, so the list is growing on a daily basis. Wow, you've really
2: I, gotten around in just a few years.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think it's unusual to be involved with that many RC companies, either concurrently or serially. So, what is it about what you do that, that enables that?
1: Um, i don't know i I mean i guess i just my love for it uh and it started out early on uh with precision aerobatics i was brought on i was relatively new at the hobby at that point uh i do a lot of pictures uh i do a lot of social media type stuff and i think that helped me get plugged in and really it as as somebody that does this it's just showing up and being there and you know uh being at places like Toledo, being at these big, large events like Joe Nall, and, and getting to know the right people and, and talking to the right people and then just going from there. Um, you,
0: were at, you were at Oshkosh too.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah,
0: I showed up on Monday, got pictures of y'all's booth.
1: Nice, yeah. And it's just a matter, it's just doing it. You know, I get people to ask me all the time, how do you get started, how do you get going? And it's just like, you know, be careful what you ask for because when you get started in the aspect, like the way I am, I go constantly, you know, if it wasn't for my beautifully um, patient and wife that loves me, I I couldn't have done any of this stuff
3: because I still have a 40 hour a week job too. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because I was talking to my wife the other day about it and uh, she said, oh, I'll go out to the field with you one day. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But, you know, when I go, I'm not really there to relax most of the time. I've, I'm taking pictures for a review and I've got to test this thing out on this. so." It's really downtime in my eyes. I still enjoy it, but it's a definitely a different approach when it's part of a job.
1: Right, and I, and that's the thing with me. As I enjoy all aspects of it, and I still get my relaxation time. I've got my local club here, a great group of guys. We got probably the, in my opinion, we do have the nicest field in the state of Michigan. You know, and I have a ball, regardless of whether I'm dealing with somebody, customer service wise, uh, flying airplanes, going to events doing social media, I just love all of it. So for me, it's 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 a win-win, win-win. Hmm.
3: So what's your favorite genre? Uh,
1: if it flies, I'm there, basically, is how I look at it. I really, uh, one of the things that I that I strive for is trying to get people away from this, um, oh, I hate drones, oh, I hate foamy, oh, I hate falsa kits, I hate ARFs, you know, we're all – and, you know, we are talking about it earlier with the FAA stuff. We're all in the same hobby. We need to support every branch of the hobby. It doesn't matter if it's drone racing. It doesn't matter if it's 4-1 scale, iMac, control line. All these things are all related. And we, we need to support each other. We need to get past the we don't want you flying your 3D at my field. You know what? There's room for everybody to fly – the stuff that they want to fly. We just have to be courteous to each other and respectful of each other. And when the guy wants to fly and hover on his tail for 20 minutes, let him do it. You know, he's going to run out of gas eventually. Then the, the World War One guys go up. I do it all the time. You know, I've got an event coming up next weekend uh, that I run for my club. Uh, it's a giant scale event. And I expect to see 3D, I expect to see scale, and you know what? Those guys will fly their jets, and they'll fly their camels, and they'll fly their pups, and all this stuff all at the same time, and it's never an issue. So it's time, I feel like, as hobbyists, that we start supporting all aspects of the hobby to get as many people as we can on the same page. Like Lee was talking earlier about the FAA regulations, the more people that we have on the same page, the easier it's going to be for us to maintain our hobby in the future. Right.
3: Yeah, we have a common enemy to unite against now.
1: So, right. right. No reason
3: for any internal strife.
1: No. And I see it all the time. You know, the guys, the, the older guys in the club, and I hate to say the older guys, but uh, oftentimes it is. You know, you've got the guys that fly 3D. Uh, I'm good friends with the Ducia family. So one of the things we've been fortunate enough to have is access to Jace Ducia. Uh, all the time. I mean, he lives 40 minutes from me. Hmm. And um this year is the first year in like 5 years he's going to be unable to attend the giant scale event at our club because of Oshkosh uh, conflicts. But he comes every year and he puts on a big show for the new time demos and him and his dad and his mom, they all hang out at the field and play and have fun and fly airplanes. And that's one of the big draws. For the club, and you've always got those guys that are like, oh, "He's too close to the fence," you know, "He's too close to the crowd." And I'm like, you know what? He's doing his thing. Let him do his thing. You can fly your P fifty one when he's done, you know. <laughs> so, and it's it's gotten better. You know, I've noticed a big change in, and I think it. I think it's exactly what you said, Terry. I think it's a, a an idea of everybody needs to be on the same page if we're going to maintain.
2: So, Joe, what do you do in your capacity with Balsa USA? What's your role there?
1: Well, uh, I'm their social media manager, so I run all their social media. Um, I run Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Flickr, all that stuff. I also um, help manage and maintain the website. Um, I attend events and go to shows and fly demos and do, you know, interviews and take pictures and do videos and all that stuff. Wow, you're sort of really multifaceted there, I see. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I do a lot. <laughs> and my degree is actually in photography and videography. So I do a lot of, you know, all the videos and stuff that you see basically nowadays are all coming for me. I do build videos. I do, you know, product videos, all that stuff.
3: Yeah. There you go, Lee,
2: right up your alley. I
3: know. And oh, we, yeah. I... <laughs> yeah, we talked about those build videos when they were new. So what was the feedback like on that?
1: Oh, it's been great, and unfortunately, I, I feel bad because I haven't had a chance to finish the um, the stick build video, the beginner build series, because the event season kicked off, and I haven't had five minutes to sit down and get any filming done. But that's something here pretty quickly. I'm going to get the uh, the stick build video done. And it's, I was
0: going to complain about that. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it, and it's it's totally on me. It's just we got so busy. And I just have not had a chance to sit down and get any filming done. So it's going to be something that's going to happen soon. It's really – it's almost finished. There's probably only two more episodes of that series left because now it's just a matter of joining the wings and installing the electronics in the motor, and it's done.
2: Yeah, I think that was a great so. idea to just sort of – Give an introductory video on how to build a kit the tools you need uh, how to build structures just some general basics a nice well-thought-out uh, YouTube instructional for those who would like to try a Billy kit after flying foamies or whatnot as we mentioned before yeah and no. the biggest, the biggest thing for me on it was
1: uh, and that's what I when I took the idea to the boss I was like you know we do all these videos on working on d7s and doing all this fancy stuff there's not really anything out there that is for strictly the beginners. We need to have something that can take away people's fears of building kits. And that's really what it comes down to. They're yeah. intimidated to start building a kit because they're afraid, what if I mess it up? Well, you know what? It's just wood. If you mess it up, there's more wood. You can you can <laughs> fix it. Right. Have you know for, to me, balsa, balsa is probably one of the edi- easiest mediums to build stuff in because you can fix just about anything. I And mean, there's, there's just multiple ways to fix things. And that's, you know, as this build goes, and I'll be honest with you, when I got brought on by Balsa USA, I told them, I said, I've done some building, I'm not what I would consider a builder. And they said, well, that's not what we're bringing you on for. And so I'm learning myself as I go, and I'm leaving the mistakes right in the video. I'm leaving the mistakes right in the video that I make. And then I'm showing people how to go back and fix them yeah. because guess what? The first time you're building the kit, that's what you're going to run into. Oh yeah. You're going to have parts that you put in wrong and pieces that you use <laughs> that weren't supposed it's to be.
0: It's kind of like Julia Child. Sometimes I've seen shows where she puts like too much salt and goes, Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all good. That happens. You, you continue on and
1: you do what you got to do. And it's an intimidation factor. So for me, it was important for us to bring it back to the ground level and show the folks that have never done this. How easy it is! Because yeah. honestly, once you get through a build like the Stick Forty, and the Stick Forty is a extremely easy plane to build. There's not a lot of parts. The fuselage is basically a box. You build the wing, you cover it, and you're good to go. If you can build that, you can build just about any plane in the C USA repertoire. It, it all builds basically the same.
3: Right. Hmm. And for people who have never built before, the the feeling when that airplane takes to the sky is so much better than when you first fly an ARF. They're both great, but there's really a whole added factor there knowing that you took it from a box of lumber to a flying machine yourself.
1: Right. And it's, and it's also a, a, a matter of when you take your balsa plane or you take your ARF or you take your foamy out and you pile it into the ground, which it's going to happen at some point, you're going to crash it. Okay. Sure. You now know know the basics of how it goes together, and you can fix 99% of the stuff that you have. And I get people telling me all the time that, you know, I'm glad you're doing that video because now I know when I crash my ARF, I, st- I can take the covering off, and it's, it goes together. The ARF, when you uncover the ARF, it looks just like a balsa kit. It's put together the exact same way, with yep. the exception of probably got a lot less glue on it than what you would use if you were building it yourself. <laughs> you know, the pieces and, and parts I'm, are the same.
0: I'm sure a lot of people have said the same thing because I I can say this has happened to me like with the of course it was a foamy but it was a vampire like I've had planes that flew terrible after the first time I, I put them together and flew them but once they crashed and I rebuilt it it flew way better in fact uh, Mike Leibel, remember his uh, his uh, biplane. He yeah, the SPAD. He had this the midair at, at Bomber. Yeah, yes. And, you know, and when we saw him at the uh, December, <laughs> we called it a scout plane, <laughs> the, the uh, Pearl Harbor scout plane. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he brought the plane back to an event that Fitz and I went to, and I was talking to him about it, and he said, you know what, it flies so much better now that I've made some changes to it. And I think that's something we should add is that sometimes when you finish a build and you say, well, it's not quite right, you can go back. You can make some adjustments and, and tweak it, and it looks like brand new.
1: Sure. And again, we talked about it earlier on, it, it puts your signature on that airplane then. You know, it may not be, it may fly not so well to somebody else, but if it flies good to you, guess what? You're the only person you're trying to impress. Yeah. yeah.
3: And RC airplanes are really tolerant of variations. It doesn't have to be perfect by any stretch.
2: Right. Right. Well, you can fly a brick if you
3: put a big enough motor on it. Oh, Sure.
2: I think you built some of those, Terry, haven't you? Flying bricks? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
3: That would be a good idea.
2: Well, well, speaking of kits, you guys have a new kit you just came out with a a D8, Fokker D8 six scale. Yes. Yeah. We
1: launched that at Toledo this year. And so far as to say, it has been a really pretty popular airframe. Um, It's like like you said, it's a one six scale. It can be set up on electric gas or glow. Uh, our prototype version is actually set up on an electric setup running on two, two S, uh, five thousands. So, oh, big. Uh, so there's four
3: S total, you know, it's not yeah. a huge airplane. What's the, no, it's that?
1: very small. Oh gosh. Uh, I think it's 53 and a half inches.
3: Okay. So yeah, that's like a 40 size nitro. I would. Yeah. Guess.
1: 40 size nitro. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, and and it flies great. It's a D8. It, you know, it, it flies fantastically and I hate using the analogy, but it really does fly like a trainer because it's a high wing airplane. It's, it's, it's basically a trainer. Yeah. So yeah, it's, a I would really guess it's nice easy fly. to
3: build. You've only got the one wing there. So yeah,
1: it, it goes together pretty much like any of mm-hmm. the rest of the kits. You're going to build the wings spars, you're going to build the fuselage. Uh, it's fully laid. that one's fully laser cut, so the parts are going to fit. Um, and, it, and it turned out really nice, so we're really happy with that one.
3: Is everything at Balsa USA laser cut now?
1: Uh, no. Actually, what we're trying to do is we're trying to go back through and start redoing our kits. Uh, the majority of our stuff is not laser kit. So right now we have the D8, the Smoothie XL, and the redesigned PUP are the only fully laser kits that we have.
2: So, so yeah, I noticed that you, you mentioned the redesigned pop. So you do plan on go sequencing through some of the other kits and applying yeah, the redesign? Yeah, the,
1: the idea that we have is that we would like to eventually have all of our kits uh, laser cut. It's going to take us a while because those, those kits are all really old. And uh, the plans aren't digitized, so the first thing we've got to do is get them digitized, Mm. and that is a huge undertaking.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I've actually done that myself with my old scratch builds, uh, taking... Plans and digitize them and, and vectorizing them and that kind of stuff. So I, I understand the process a little bit. Yeah. Somebody could make a fortune if they could figure out a way so you could
1: scan the original blueprints. Yeah. And it automatically went through and digitized everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You'd think they would have that in the 21st century, but it's surprisingly how yeah. no, it doesn't work out that well. No. Uh, interesting. Uh, so also, you guys have had, I understand you're running a, some type of uh, contest. Uh, you called it a 10, 10K giveaway. This- yeah,
1: actually, I just uh, launched that video the other day, and what it is is we're looking to uh, build up the likes on the Facebook page uh, and what we're doing in, in uh, recognition of the 100-year anniversary of World War One, We're giving away a quarter-scale kit of the winner's choice. Uh, as soon as we hit uh, 10K likes on the Facebook page, we are going to do the drawing this year at Rhinebeck on September 8th. Oh, nice. Oh, so there's still some time. Oh, yeah, oh, there's lots still lots of time. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, we're going to try to do a, a setup with Reinbeck I'll be honest with you, what Mean Joe's going to try to do is he's going to try to do the drawing while he's in the air of a World War One era airplane is what I'm going to mm. try to do. <laughs> so,
3: a, a full scale? Yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. So what can you write in there? I thought they just had the new standard. There, oh, they have all kinds of see? things.
1: Uh, like last year, I wrote in the 1929 Curtis Robin. I wrote in the standard. Uh, you know, they, they do rides occasionally and stuff like the tiger moth and the Jenny and all those things. Mm. Jealous. Great people. Awesome. If you've never been to that event, the Rhinebeck event is fantastic. It's the coolest thing you'll ever do in your life.
3: And give yourself plenty of extra hours to walk around, to see the museum, to just roam around that place. Yes.
2: Oh. oh, yeah, there's a lot of it's unbelievable. stuff buried in there, in the hangers and stuff. They have
3: no idea what's at that place. I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've got a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah. He has... Uh, so uh, this is interesting. We are able to talk to an actual kit manufacturer because uh, in the world of ARFs and, and FOMIs, uh, and especially with the buyout of Hobbyco, you know, people are starting to lament that a lot of the old top flight kits and stuff are starting to disappear from their website, and only the ARF versions are, are there. And so, from your perspective, what's the sort of the state of the art or state of the kit building industry uh, from what you see at Balsa USA? Well, you know, like we talked a little bit about earlier, I'm seeing an uptick in kit building.
1: You know, there are some things coming from USA that I am not at liberty to speak about publicly yet. But stay tuned. There's going to be some options out there for folks here very shortly. Um, And from our perspective, we're doing fantastic. I mean, we are really doing well. The kit building, I'm kind of seeing a resurgence in it. I think people are getting interested in it, and I think people are starting to understand that if they learn that skill, even if they don't continue to build kits on a regular basis, it helps with repairs. It helps with uh, understanding how the airplanes work. Like uh, Terry was saying earlier, it helps them make modifications to the airplanes if they don't necessarily like for the way it flies. Mm. So on our side of things, we're we're really seeing – we're doing really well. And, um, you know, I get new people all the time. Uh, contacted me and asked me about how to get started and what to do and you know so to to me where i said i think i think it's uh, i think it's coming back around that's great that's great to hear that
3: so what's the outlook for covering because what was the company that recently closed its doors
1: okay so solar techs actually contacted us and sent an email out to sent it out to everybody that it was one of any of their suppliers and said hey basically we're done you know, they didn't give us any headway. They didn't give us any lead time or anything to be able to stock up to uh, uh, make a, a, a change so that we could get some ores in the water to try to figure out what to do. They just shut the water, spick it off, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've done is we were able to uh, grab up uh, what we call plaintex. And what that is is the solar text material with no glue and no dye. So it's the raw material that SolarTex was using to produce the SolarTex iron-on covering.
3: Is that a and mylar? It,
1: uh, it's it's a weave. Um, I'm okay. not really, to be honest with you, I'm not sure of the chemical makeup of what's in it. But it's a weave, uh, just like the SolarTex covering. It's a cloth weave. Oh, okay. And so now what we're doing is we're suggesting people go back to old school with it and, you know, use the whole polybrush, polytac. Uh, application for it for now. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to find a supplier that can add the glue to the covering itself so that we can produce a version of SolarTex that we would call plain probably with uh, the glue already on it. So it would then be again, the iron on type oh. um,
3: okay. covering. So they weren't even willing to license the process when they closed their doors.
1: Well, they, we were, we had even entertained buying the equipment and, you know, there was talk that we could send somebody over there. We've got friends in that area that could have run the company and the guy wasn't interested in any of that. So he just, really? he was done and that was it. Um, and now, I'll be and with you, Right, exactly. He got mad about something. We're not exactly sure what, there's rumors running around as to what happened, a family owned business, there's brothers, there was arguments, all that kind of stuff. We don't really know exactly what happened. But uh, for us, it was, it was just a matter of, you know, we could have taken it over or we could have at least, you know, ordered a couple of shipping containers full of the stuff to keep us in business for a year or two so we could get a handle on how we wanted to take care of it for the future. So, but that wasn't afforded us. And we're working with it. We, you know, we've got samples sent out. I, I'll be honest with you, the biggest issue we're running into right now, and if anybody knows anybody out there that can do this process we're trying to find somebody that can put the adhesive and the UV coating on the plain text material. Uh, but a lot of the places that we're dealing with it don't want to deal on that small of a volume because we don't need a million meters of the stuff a year. Mm-hmm. You know, we need a smaller amount and that's why we're running into trouble finding somebody that's willing to put the adhesive on it because they don't want to redo their machinery to run our product for that small of our amount. You know, get what I mean? It's yeah, like, right. It's crazy. So we're digging. You know, we're digging into new stuff daily. We've got samples and we're trying different things in the plant and trying different techniques and ways of doing it. So there will be something. We're just not sure what it is going to
3: be yet. But there is a workaround for now. Just the manual. Sure.
1: Method. Yeah, you're just going back to the old school method of doing stuff. Um, anybody out there listening that's planning on doing that, please make sure you do that stuff in a well ventilated area. I actually suggest doing it outside because the. The poly tack isn't so bad. The poly tack is the adhesive, but the poly brush is super bad. You don't want to be breathing that.
2: So, good to hmm. know. Very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, let's see, Lee. You got any questions for him? You've been kind of quiet.
0: Oh, I'm I'm listening. You know, I already got all my words out at the beginning. (laughs) He's still recovering. (laughs) He
1: said he was going to go on mute for thirty minutes. He wasn't
0: kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll say while I'm listening, I was just looking at the uh, the website. I was like looking at the the kits that you guys offer, and uh, you know, in previous episodes, like the last kit I built, which was which we built for the three view, which was the electric hub. I mean, I'm working on a Sig kit right now, but you know, it's been a while, and I've I've been trying to toy with the idea of what laser kit do I want to buy. So you know, I'm I'm looking through the Balsa USA. Did you say this the smoothie was uh, a laser cut?
1: Oh, the smoothie XL was laser cut.
0: The XL, okay, the the bigger one. Yeah, the <laughs> what, bigger what's one. What's the wing? Yeah, what's the wingspan on that one?
1: Oh gosh, uh, you can look it up. The,
0: the regular the regular one was uh, like 50 inches. So I'm looking for the XL real quick. But anyway, I just – I there's so many kits to choose from. And, and uh, I mean, I hope people will take a, a glance at all the different airplane kits. It's really cool, you know. I, I for one, have not built uh, many World War One aircraft. But, you know, talking with you, Joe, is like, all right, that D-8, <laughs> is, that looks kind of neat, you know. I mean, yeah, and, not... and
1: it actually flies really well. It really does. Well, um, and, you know.
0: I'm not a big biplane guy and, and, you know, I've had baby two in my, my collection at one time. So I'm, I don't know, just not a big biplane guy, but the D eight, you know, that looks kind of fun. Nice high wing there.
2: Yeah, it is. And it's a ball to fly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the smoothie is an 88 inch wingspan. Lee.
1: Yeah. I just, as soon as you (laughs) said that, I just got it pulled up. Yeah. (laughs) I've I've got so many numbers in my head about all the different (laughs) kits that we have. I can't, I can't keep them straight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, the D eight is 82 inches. So yeah.
1: yeah. The
2: big one yeah that's the
0: think, big one that's the that's
2: the quarter scale i like that yeah yeah so uh, years from go ahead oh i was gonna say um uh, years ago i built the uh north star nice seaplane yeah uh in fact a friend of mine we both bought them both the same time we built them at the same time and we both flew them off of water and in the air and that was that was I flew it on a like an old os 40 engine on it and that was yeah <laughs> that was a pretty yeah. good sized plane for that engine uh Those things are a lot of fun. Those are actually – those type of planes are some of
1: the ones I'm probably going to be doing build videos on in the future Mm. Uh, because my plan is to keep the whole build video thing going. I want to transition people into everything from the Stick 40 Plus all the way up to the uh, Falkirk third-scale triplane. You know, I want to have people – progress through the hobby and and so there's there's always going to be a project on the table as far as the build videos go as far as i'm concerned
2: oh nice
1: until until it falls on its face then we'll quit it but as of right now it's it's pretty popular so
3: so is this uh, is this an example of learning by teaching for you
1: um kind of sort of yeah i mean i've learned a lot of things over i'm, I'm a quick learner and i'm a i'm actually I'm an instructor for General Motors. I teach all their health and safety classes, so okay. I, I teach all the time. That's that's what my real job is, is teaching. So for me, it's a it's a little bit of both. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy helping people, and it's it's teaching me a lot of
3: things as well. So, okay,
0: is uh is Balsa USA going to get into any other type of, uh, kind of building? I mean, right now I see all airplanes, but anything like boats or any kind of other venture Um, out there we've talked
1: about some things we already do some stuff in the um architectural field so like we supply wood for uh colleges that have uh they're teaching architecture so like they build their you know they build their little buildings and whatnot out of the stuff so we supply balsa wood for that we haven't done any kits or anything um you know there's there's markets out there for Anything that you can make out of wood, there's just all kinds of different things. And, again, there's some stuff coming here pretty shortly. We should have some announcements ready for some things that are, are going to be in the near future. Uh, we're always looking at expanding. You know, we've I think we've pretty much got the World War One kit market uh, cornered at this point. Um, there's not really anybody else out there. There's a couple of small places that offer some World War One kits but not you know, at the size of the expansiveness that we do. Um, but there, you know, again, we're always looking to get into other aspects of the hobby and help people do more. So yeah. I would say the answer would be yes.
3: So when you're at events, do people come up to you and say, here's what you really should be building?
1: Uh, oh yeah, we get that all the time. We get suggestions all the time, and uh, I think it's fantastic. It, one of the things that's been weird for me is in this transition over the last two years with working with Ball CSA, I've turned into that guy. So <laughs> a, a lot of people come up to me, you know, and I love it. I think it's fantastic. So anybody listening out there, if we're ever at events, feel free to come up and speak to us. We, I love to talk to customers. I love to see the joy and people's faces. We get people bringing their kits over to us, you know, showing us what they've done. That's one of my favorite things about the aspect of this this business and this company is that I am afforded the opportunity to talk to everybody that's out there doing, you know, they're passionate about their hobby. And to me, that's 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 awesome. You know, I had an incident here recently that that really meant a lot to me. I had a young man. I locally, my my stepson had bought a house, and there's a hobby shop over there, and I went, We went over for a visit. And I was out playing with one of my boats and forgot a piece of equipment. So I went over to this hobby shop to get the piece of equipment that I needed. And I had a young man, probably 10, 12 years old, ask for an autograph because he knew who I was. He knew I was on Balls USA. And that, to me, is what the hobby's all about. Whoa. That type, Not necessarily autograph for me and Joe because that's just not my thing. But to see a young man in the hobby enough that he knows people that are in the hobby and is interested in building that's the reason why I do what I do. It's, it's all about creating joy for other people.
3: Did your head be- fit back through the door on the way out?
1: <laughs> I got a huge head anyways, so <laughs> it's 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 questionable. It definitely reached its uh, uh, structural integrity point there a couple of times. Right. So. <laughs> hey,
0: Joe, for, unfortunately for me, I'm not recognized, but when people see me, I, I have twice been asked, do you know Terry Dunn? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sorry, Fitz, but yeah, Terry. I've had more people know Terry in through conversation than like me. That's <laughs> so funny.
3: You have never told me that. You're making this crap up. Ben Warren.
0: <laughs> ben Warren is a perfect example. Oh, I Go right. to Ben's okay. house, and he's like, "Hey, you know Terry Dunn?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, I saw this article about Terry. Blah blah blah." I was like, oh, shut up." <laughs>
3: but,
0: but that, ben that, that, that must be. Yeah. Ben,
3: he's from Minnesota, right? He's from Minnesota, yeah. or was it Hawaii,
0: <laughs> Idaho, <laughs> <laughs> Sri no, Lanka? But Joe, that's that's a good feeling, Joe. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for that day. Someone might, you know, say they've heard of RC Roundtable most of the time. It's like, what? <laughs> but right. with, with, with people like you on our show, we'll get there. <laughs> oh, yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, and again, for me, and I'm sure it's the same. As it is for you guys. I just like to see people enjoy. I, I like to try to give people information. If I can help somebody that comes to the field with an issue and they can have a successful day flying, then that's truly what I'm looking to do.
2: It, and know that's my goal that, that's the great thing about this hobby is the camaraderie and the, the brotherhood it's, it's just fantastic and really appreciate your efforts on that Thank you
3: now I understand that you've got a new trailer you're working on oh, <laughs> yes I do have a new trailer I'm working on and
1: it's it's quite the it's quite the project so it looks huge it is huge. it's uh, 7 by 27. Wow. So, yeah, it's very large. It's it's getting – I that's what I was working on before I got on to here with you guys today. Actually, I was getting it put together with stuff now. So, planes and stuff are starting to go in, equipment and stuff starting to go in. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a project. Seven by 27, <laughs> you could put a full-scale glider in that thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. A, it's a snowmobile trailer. And the unique nice thing about it is anybody that's not from the cold north like I am – it's it opens up on both ends, so I have ramp doors in the front and ramp door in the back. So, oh, nice. it's nice to be able to have the space. I was working out of a, a six by twelve trailer before, and that's not tiny. No, and but it was running out of space. You start putting a couple of third scale airplanes in there, and you're out of space. Sure. So hmm. now we can probably fit nine third scales or more. That's <laughs> <laughs> huge.
3: I'd be lucky yeah, if I could put one gigantic. in my car. So. Nine third scale—that's three real airplanes, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) There you
1: go. Yeah. That just just is an example of how huge the thing is. The back shelf that I built in it is seventy-nine and a half inches by eight foot. Wow. So yeah, So, are you going to sleep in in it as well? Uh, It's possible. I'm gonna I'm gonna see how it goes. I'm 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 a pretty simplistic guy. I don't mind sleeping in the back of my truck with a fan. You know, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But maybe Uh, we're going to see how it goes.
0: Well, that thing can hold a tempur mattress and stuff. Sure, yeah, it
3: can <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> You'll be sleeping in
3: comfort. Yes, sir. Do you have to have uh, like an F six hundred and fifty to tow it?
1: No, actually, it's all aluminum, so the trailer dry only weighs twenty one fifty.
3: Okay. Yeah, you and with we all, no, we've, just don't want a crosswind.
1: Right. Well, t- crosswinds, crosswind. You know, it's I'm 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 got a fifteen hundred Silverado and. With a little bit of weight in it, crosswind is going to be a crosswind regardless because the things, you know, it's a, it's I pull on a billboard behind the truck. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, it's it's it should pull fine with the weight, you know. Like I told the boss when we started this project, was you know I could fit all of our airplanes in there, and I'm not going to hit probably six k weight just because there's it's balsa and some electronics. Yeah, right. yeah, what is it? it's yeah not that Right. Yeah. So. Plenty of towing capacity. It should be fine.
3: We're good. That uh, that'll be a good upgrade for you.
1: Oh man, it's 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 been a lot of work. I I've, I've and I've I'm super anal about it. So you know, i have mean, carpeted with trim, and you know, it's it's it's. My wife just shakes her head. People have to take <laughs> their
3: shoes off before they go inside. <laughs> right? <laughs> probably not that bad, but. And when's the maiden journey? Um, actually, I'll
1: probably. Take it to the field tomorrow for the first time. All right. And I started getting some equipment stuff put in today. I'll throw a couple. It'll look silly because it'll only have like two airplanes in it. But <laughs> right. I'm ready to do some flying. I haven't really done any flying in about three weeks, so my fingers are itching.
3: We'll yeah, make
0: right. a video and we'll post it. This will be a good follow up for this conversation. You like put some GoPro cameras all over it, and you know, sure, give us give us a little tour, and we'll share. We that. can do it. We can do a
1: trailer tour.
0: Yeah. there you go when yeah. you break the champagne bottle over it
1: <laughs> yeah there you go no we can't do that we might scratch the paint that's true and it's only <laughs> aluminum right and the next episode of pip Bar trailer <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly yeah it's been very fortunate you know my my and i i'm i'm truly blessed to be able to do what i do in the hobby you know and i'm i'm i tell my boss all the time i've got lots of great bosses and. The journey that I've been on and continue to be on is—it's just—it's my happy place, you know. Um, the support and stuff I get from Balsa USA, I just can't—I just can't say enough about it. Great, great, great group of people.
3: That's good. We're always happy to see an RC business that's doing well, and people that are happy to be with them.
1: Oh yes, I, I just love it to death. And when it was interesting because when I actually because I was uh, protein manager for SIG for four years before I went to Balsa and um, I made the decision uh, based on personal things to move on from SIG. They literally called me 30 minutes after I put that on my Facebook page and were like, Hey, you're going to come work with us. So and from then on, from that point on, it's been all Balsa. So well,
3: interesting in demand.
2: Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Cool. All right, Joe, normally uh, we kind of round out or end of our episodes with uh, what we have on our workbench and upcoming projects and such. And since you are a guest, you're number one. You got anything you're working on?
1: Yeah, um, I'm actually struggling to try to finish up the uh, Stick 48-plus uh, beginner build series on the Ball CSA YouTube channel. Uh, I've also got uh, a quarter-scale Newport... Uh, 17, Ooh. that's in the middle of a refit with some new servos, new motor, uh, and that kind of thing. And then right behind that, I've got a SC-5 that's going to get the same refit. Uh, pup. And what else is out there? Um, that might be it. Huh. So, a lot of refitting with the show planes and stuff from Balsa. I've got mm. the quarter scales all set in here. I got the Pup. Oh, I got the Camel. And... So, those are all going to be refit with the new servos and new motors and all that oh, stuff. Well, you get your own.
0: The, story, the show is called Workbench, not Workbenches. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, and that's funny because, you know, with, with the work I did, uh, I was formerly with RC Groups, and now I'm also with uh, Model Aviation Magazine. Hmm. I've got down in the basement right now, I've got, what, one, two, three, I got four, uh, four by 8 workbenches, and they're usually pretty
0: full most of the wow. time. Holy smokes. So,
1: I feel
3: spoiled a- with one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we need to put a hat cam on him and just watch his daily (laughs) efforts (laughs) wow
1: i stay pretty busy and then you know like i said keep in mind i'm still working a 40-hour a week job too so it's it's an ongoing we're we're thankful for our kids we love them but we're so happy that they moved out (laughs) (laughs) nice because i am just too busy to mess with children (laughs) yeah what do you mean
0: Mm. Well, and you get their room, so there's some more benches in their old rooms, right?
1: Oh, gosh, no, no. The wife wouldn't have that. All my stuff's Ah. in the basement. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Uh, She's very patient. You know what? I tell you, I got to thank her. If it wasn't for the support and love of my beautiful wife, I couldn't do any of the stuff I do. So first and foremost, I thank her for everything.
0: Well played, sir. I I love my wife, too. (laughs) 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 Uh,
2: All right. Well, that sounds great. How about you, Lee? What you got? Uh, How's the Cessna uh, doing? How's your baby? Uh, uh, uh,
0: I'm working on these ABS plastic uh, ribbed aileron covers, aileron and flap covers. I don't know what they actually call them in the Cessnas. The little uh, rib vents that they put on the control surfaces. For your yes, pleasure. So <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: nice. They're not, it is so
0: not my pleasure right now because uh, so some of my pieces aren't fitting quite right. And don't take that out of context, Harry. <laughs>
3: nope, I'm done. I, I got my one off-color jab in. That's
0: uh, so I, that's that's a lot of fun trying to glue these uh, pieces of plastic to make them line up just right to to fit. But I've got the ailerons done, so I'll do the flaps after the. It's interesting again. I'm uh, you can't follow these instructions because you don't. You can't cut the flaps or trim the flaps to fit until the actual wing is on. So there's some things. There's other steps I've got to take place. So uh, so hold up. It, paint this
3: picture for me. It's a foam core wing with balsa mm-hmm. sheeting. Yes. And then there's a third layer of plastic that goes on top of the control surfaces. Yes. Okay. And this is called a quick build. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, this, I, this, there's some other words I've been using, but yes, we'll, just, we'll use quick build for fun. Uh, it's it's slowly coming. I mean, I, I actually hit like two or three hours of, of construction time in there, and that, it helped. Uh, I've been quite busy this week, so I haven't had a chance to, to do much more. But uh, the ailerons, I mean, I've, I've finally fitted the plastic. I had to make some adjustments because uh, I, you know, just the way I build, I built one a little a little too long, and I was like, I'm not gonna leave a big gap. So I, I, I like asymmetric airplanes. <laughs> well, this one's not. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Uh, it's, it's it'll, it'll get there. I'm, I'm going to have it ready for best. But uh, surprise, surprise, I have something new on my workbench that I acquired last night. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of buyer remorse because <laughs> mm-hmm. I really didn't think this through. But last night, Northwest RC had their club meeting. One of our uh, board members acquired a large CMP 90-inch uh, quarter scale. Well, it's more like... Uh, quarter and a half scale <laughs> it's uh, like a fifth scale cub that's in pretty good shape it's uh, actually uh, like receiver ready and uh, I, I was looking at it and Austin's got this old SIG cub that's in the, the attic that we haven't finished yet but I was looking at it and they were going to basically auction it up to the club members and this guy here I'm using my thumbs on me uh, raised my hand and I, I bought it And so Austin's got this brand new, it looks brand new cub, CMP cub that's in the garage. It's too bad. It's, you know, those Chinese kits and it doesn't look like it's had much uh, airtime, but I probably should have done a little bit more research because now that I'm starting to go through the, the, the equipment, not that it's bad, but like the, uh, with this elevator, I don't think you should be using a 3000 series tower hobby servo to run the (laughs) elevator, so I'm gonna yank that bad boy, and then uh, then I looked at the motor and I, I saw a nice big brushless motor in there. But then I didn't look at the KV. KV is only like 210. This guy yeah. was running it. He was running it on 8s. And? I don't. I don't have an 8s battery. I don't have two fours at 4,000 milliamps. So what what I paid for in for the aircraft, I'm gonna probably have to double it in getting new electronics. So, Meh. but. Austin was happy. It's part of his birthday present I'm giving him for next month. And uh, it's, he probably has already washed it and cleaned it and got out find finding a way to put his GoPro inside of it. <laughs> it's probably
3: like that tugboat. You can put a lead acid battery in there. <laughs>
0: I probably could. <laughs> uh, yeah, but well, it's the 8S. So, how many do you have to put in series? So, so I've got, I'm new, I'm, I say proud new owner. I'm now an owner of a uh, large, large Cub. It's probably, I think it's now tied for the largest airplane in my collection besides any glider.
3: Would you say a ninety inch span? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah.
0: yeah so we'll uh, we'll try to get that going next week.
3: <laughs> and so it was already outfitted as electric. It has a speed control and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah, batteries are a chunk change, sort of. Of course, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying when to I, make you feel better. Yeah. Why not just
2: <laughs> use two 4S cells in it?
3: P-
0: packs. Because I don't have anything. I don't have any four th- Ss at four thousand milliamps. No.
3: Or don't you have a spare gaser laying around?
0: no I'm going to get 4S I'm not going to change any electronics I'm just going to get batteries in there and go fly
3: yeah
2: why not not just buy some 4S batteries
0: I am Uh, but it's just that that's more money I wasn't planning on spending
2: right now buy some that you you can use a 4S 4000s in your probably your um, Tiger Cat right
0: um maybe you know now you think about it I think but you know what I think those are only 3000s I could it'll be a nice simple flight yeah, the guy had the guy had uh, rhino packs, twenty C rhino packs, <laughs> in it. Twenty C four forty nine hundred milliamp rhino packs. You know, dated two thousand six probably.
3: Yeah, there was a time when we would have gotten a fist fight to get those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, that's enough about me. So the Cessna is still on the table. I am hacking away at it, and the um, the Cub will hopefully be airborne next week. All right. Oh, and I've I've restarted work on my T thirty three, my Kyoshi T thirty three, which I was going to ask Terry if he's still got his in his box.
3: Uh, Fitz is supposed to bring it next week. I think. Oh, that's
2: right. Yep. I still plan on it. Yeah. Hopefully, there won't be any issues with the uh, air- airline. But uh, I think I got to double check the dimensions. I think it'll fit. But I, I that reminds me, I need to go after this and double double check.
0: TSA just going to, is that a drone? <laughs> <laughs> if you fly a drone inside an airliner, <laughs> do the restrictions still apply?
3: <laughs> I always thought it'd be fun to, to fly drones inside the Super Guppy. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, heck yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, uh,
0: a, a DRL drone race inside a Guppy. <laughs> yeah.
3: And then when you run out of batteries, you play racquetball.
0: all right so who what's uh who's next
3: i think i'm the last one right uh yeah i am so when we recorded the last episode i was ready to test fly my sky ranger 40 speaking of kits so i'm happy to say that went very well and i've taken it out several times since it is a superb flying airplane i've been having fun with it shot some video, too. Actually, um, I posted a sample video on the Facebook page, so if anybody's interested, you can see that. And I haven't really started anything new. I got the UMX Timber and also a Whippet, so I could try some Ultra Micro Aeroto. And the the test flights didn't go great because I built a sled for the Whippet. Um, you know, it's a discus launch glider, so it's got a vertical stab below the boom which obviously doesn't make it slide on grass very well. So I built a little foam sled for the glider, and what was happening is that the curved front on the sled was actually getting airborne before the glider was, and it was pinning the sled up against the glider. So when it took off, I had this huge sled wedged up against the glider, and it wouldn't come free. So (laughs) I've I've made some modifications to that, but I haven't tried it yet. Um, So that's what's next for me. And I'm not sure what my next big project's going to be. Maybe um, one of those airplanes that I got from the estate sale. I'll I'll start hacking on.
0: Hmm. Hey, it. just the Sky Ranger is really nice. You did a great job.
3: Thank you. I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah. You know, it worked out really well. That there was some pretty crappy weather about the time I was finishing up. Because uh, you know, usually I would get to that point where it's ready to fly and just say, "All right, I'm going to go fly it." But because I had a few extra days, I'm like, all right, maybe I'll put some details around the cockpit. Maybe I'll put some trim on the canopy. And maybe I'll paint the landing gear. So I ended up doing more cosmetic things than I normally would. And in the end, I'm glad that I did. Ooh. So, yeah
2: Yeah. Oh, course, she's so pretty.
3: Yeah, thanks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> ah, all right. Well, I guess the uh, uh, final thing is, uh, I guess both you and Joe are going to the Flight Fest coming up?
1: I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it out or not. I'm going to try. Uh, It's just going to depend on how the week
2: goes. Oh, gotcha. Yeah,
3: Yeah, my plan is to head out Saturday morning, dark and early, and stay as long as I can stand it. So it'll just be a one-day cameo for me, but I think there'll be a lot to take in.
2: Absolutely, for sure.
3: And from what I can tell, um, there's going to be a lot of people that we know there uh, Joshua Orchard, who was on the show talking about his Bugatti, will be there. So I'll say hi to him. I think maybe Nate Nabby or RC Sailor friends are going to be there. Um, the, all kinds of people.
1: I know Lane's Plains is going to be there for oh, sure. Yeah.
3: yeah, Lane. I don't know mm-hmm. Lane. Um,
1: Lane's I don't, I don't fantastic.
3: Person. Yeah, I'll introduce myself to him. Hmm. So, yeah, it, it ought to be something. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to fit everything I have planned into the day, much less the stuff I don't even know about yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I'm taking airplanes with me, but I don't know if I'm even going to have a chance to fly. We'll see.
0: Well, you know who hasn't done a live Facebook video? That's Mr. Dunn. So we expect a live Facebook video from you.
3: I think they jam cell phone signals out there. (laughs) (laughs) well you break it up then. then you
0: make a video and then you post it when you get back to your your abode
3: okay there you go fair enough
2: all right well, I think that uh, wraps up another fun-filled episode of the RC Round Table. Uh, we've had a rather lively discussion, and uh, <laughs> some interesting topics, but I think uh, it was actually pretty informative and uh, really interesting uh, topics. Uh, Joe, thank you very much for joining us this time. Uh, really Absolutely. Any time. Oh, well, it was great talking to you. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, both Lee and I be able to meet you face to face at some point
1: absolutely we'll have to make that happen
2: yeah that'd be great and uh uh hopefully our listeners take a look at balsa usa see what they're offering they got a lot of good stuff on there you mentioned a newport 17 and I, I actually got a bit of a fondness for the newport 17 although i never built one as a model kit so i might take a little heavy look at that yeah
1: i know where you can get one
2: yeah if i can make a suggestion <laughs> a, sure a dh2 echo dh2 Oh yeah, it's a pusher. Nice. Uh, it's one of my favorite World yes, War One planes. Uh, Whisper in the ear. Yeah, we'll of, have to
3: take a look at that. Yeah, yeah. Whisper. Is that the one you have the Maxford version? I have the Maxford on?
2: version, which is actually pretty nice. But it's a. It'd be nice if you guys like made like a third scale one or four, a quarter scale one or something. A bigger version it would be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll
1: have to put that on the list of potential uh, future
2: kits. Yeah, it'd probably be fairly popular. Although it's uh, you know it's kind of an Erector set of an airplane, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, still, I'd be mean, pretty, pretty snazzy. But anyway, it's that for me uh, and my diatribe. Uh, I think uh, we are going to wrap things up. You guys got any last words?
3: Pumpernickel. Okay. Pumpernickel. <laughs> get,
0: get as much flying in as you can <laughs> before oh. it's too late.
3: Oh, please. Yeah. The grab, a,
1: grab a kid. Grab a neighbor. Get him out. Get him flying.
0: <laughs> yep,
1: Just
2: ask their parents first. <laughs> Ask <their> parents first. <laughs> follow,
0: follow me with pitchforks to the uh, the capital. <laughs> demand our demand our airspace back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> pitchforks with little burning effigies of airplanes on the top.
0: Oh, man. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I've ever wanted to march against anything. You know, I see people marching on like Why did you really have to go to DC to march for that? And I'm like, I'm going to go march against the whole idea of drones and drone regulations and
2: <laughs> some air, TFRs, airplane hat. <laughs> some airplane hats. Uh, <laughs> all right, Joe. Thanks again for joining us. We appreciate your time and efforts, and uh, we look forward to continuing your video series and what's in the future for uh, Boss USA. And um, any last words of wisdom for us? Have fun with your
1: have fun with your news trailer. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate the offer. And anytime you need us,
2: just let us know. All right. Fantastic. All right, then. Well, that I think wraps everything up. Thank you for listening to the RC Roundtable. Join us on our Facebook and social media for updates. And we'll see you next time.